excited to be with you all this morning. I'm excited to get into the Word for just a few moments. I know that we're, we're looking forward to our kids and their Christmas program, and everything looks a little different this morning, and it's set up a little different this morning, but I do believe the Lord's got a Word for us, and if I can get into my Bible without knocking this stand over, we're going to start out in the book of Luke. We're going to end in the book of Luke, pretty much all in the book of Luke today. Uh, we're going to start in the second chapter, and we're going to start by looking at the birth of Christ, as you'd expect this morning. And we're going to look a little bit about what it means that he came for us. I, uh, <coughs> I know that we've got our, our Christmas story, and we, we generally come together on the Christmas Sunday, and we look at at Christ's birth, but I want to start looking at his birth, but then I want to go a little bit through his life this morning uh, and realize that he didn't just come on Christmas so that we could have a have a Sunday morning once a year that we come together and we celebrate the birth and the nativity scene and how beautiful that is, and then we put it away until next year, but he came in the manger so that he could make it to Calvary. He came in the manger so that my sins could be washed away, and I am so thankful for that this morning. I'm going to start out in the second, <coughs> excuse me, I apologize now if I cough all the way through, I've been coughing all weekend, but we'll be okay, i got a pocket full of cough drops. Uh, we'll start out in the second chapter of Luke, starting with verse 1, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. We've probably all seen a Christmas play or seen a depiction of the Christmas story and in Mary and Joseph they come up and they knock on the door and the innkeeper says, I, I have no room for you in my inn. There's, there's no place to stay here and Bethlehem's full because everybody's there paying their taxes and, and so they say, well, we have to stay somewhere. My, my wife, she's, she's with child and we've just come all this way and you have somewhere we can stay and the innkeeper says, well, I... I don't, I don't have any room in my inn, but you can stay in my barn. Now, we have this pretty depiction. I've, at my house, There's you walk in the door, there's a little end table there by the couch, and on that end table is the little nativity scene. It shows the little barn and the little manger, and Mary and Joseph are there. There's some animals standing around, maybe some shepherds and an angel. I don't, I'll be honest, I haven't looked at it close enough to tell you exactly what's Sitting there, it's the same little one that gets set out every year. and We set it out and we'll put it up, we'll get it out again next year. But I spent a little time in feedlots as a kid. My grandpa had, had cows growing up and sometimes you had to go out there in the barnyard and maybe throw some grain down in the trough or put hay out in the wintertime. And it gets cold in the wintertime and things get wet and you put hay out and the cows come around there and they trample it all up and feedlot's not this pretty depiction that we see. In fact, it's kind of a mess. It, 
you don't want to wear nice shoes to the manger because you're going to ruin them. In fact, sometimes you you don't even want to drive your tractor to the manger because you're going to have to pull it out because it's a it's just a mucky, messy, miry place. And we we have this pretty depiction, and we think, well, it's everything was just so perfect and so wonderful, and all was just right. And ba- no, baby Jesus came and was thrown in a feed trough in the middle of a mess because there wasn't any other place for him. But I, as I begin to think on that this week, and I begin to contemplate a little bit, I I knew I was teaching this morning uh, a little early, and I had some had some time to to get ready. And as I was as I was coming up with what we were going to talk about this morning, I begin to think about the fact that that the miracle of Christ did not come in a perfect setting, but His miracle came in a mess. And I begin to look through the rest of the life of Christ, and we realize that there's this. This theme that goes throughout Christ's life that the miracle is never born into a perfect place. In fact, if what we have is a perfect place, we have no need of a miracle. Perfection doesn't need the miraculous. But the mess requires the miracle. So as we look through the life of Christ this morning, a few instances where He touched and where He worked, and as we we celebrate Christmas this morning, in a little while, we'll be, we'll be done here, and then the kids are going to come, and they're going to have their Christmas play. And I had a short preview last night. It's going to be wonderful. And, and as we celebrate and we thank God for his birth, and we appreciate that he came to earth and robed himself in flesh for us, I want us to keep in mind this Christmas season that perfection doesn't have to be for Christ to come. But if... We want His miracle. All we have to do is bring Him our mess. He, in fact, went in the book of Luke, the 19th chapter. (laughs) And and I'm not going to read verse for verse, but if you want to look it up later, it's roughly verses 1 through 9 or so. And Jesus, he (coughs) He goes to Jericho, and He He gets there, and He he comes into town, and there's a crowd all around him, and he sees this little short guy up in a tree. Zacchaeus, you see, he wanted to see Jesus. Tells us that he was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now, the reason it denotes it that way, I believe, is because to be chief of the tax collectors and be rich, one had to be crooked. Tax collectors in that day pretty well were, and it was often a, here's a little for Caesar, and here's a little for Zacchaeus type scenario. And Zacchaeus, he wants to see Jesus. He wants to see what's going on. Well, he's a short feller. So uh, he he gets up in the tree so he can see. And he gets up in this tree and he's watching. And (coughs) Jesus gets there and he he sees this little short feller in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Today I'm going to your house for lunch. I think it's interesting that those that stand around, they murmur and they say, what's Jesus going to do? Why is he headed to eat lunch with a sinner? Why is Jesus going to spend some time with the sinner? What's Jesus doing stepping off in the midst of this mess? Doesn't he know who Zacchaeus is? Doesn't he know what kind of mess he's getting into? What's Jesus doing walking off in the mess? Jesus says, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to abide it. In fact, I must abide at your house. And Zacchaeus gets down there and Jesus spends some time with him, and Jesus says to him, 
this day the salvation come to thy house. The Son of Man, it says, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus, you see, he comes and he sees Zacchaeus and he sees a mess, and but everybody else just says, why is Jesus walking in the mess? And Jesus says, there's a mess here, I can bring a miracle. Jesus says, there's a guy that needs his sins forgiven. I'm going to go into the midst of this, and if I have to wade into some mess and get my sandals dirty, that's okay because this day I'm come to seek and to save that which is lost. Today, Jesus says, I can come to Zacchaeus' mess, and in the midst of his mess, I can bring him a miracle. He doesn't stop with Zacchaeus. We go to the seventh chapter of Luke, and we, excuse me, we find Jesus is at the Pharisee's house, and he's eating. And a woman who is described, it says a woman from the city, that was a sinner, comes into the house. The description starts out as a mess. She comes in and she stands to the feet behind Jesus, weeping her alabaster ointment. She wipes his feet, washes him with her tears, wipes him with her hair. She's anointing them with the ointment. And the Pharisees, they see this. And again, they say, Jesus, if he was a real prophet, he'd know who she was because she's a sinner. If Jesus really knew what he was getting into here, if he really was who he says he is, or he really was who everybody claims he is, he'd know what kind of mess that he's stepping off into. Jesus was who he said he was, and he begins to answer them without their saying anything. It says, they thought, and Jesus replies. He tells them a story of a creditor had some people to forgive, one a little, one a lot. And he says, which one is more thankful, the one forgiven a little bit or the one forgiven a lot? Jesus, as he steps and he wades off into the mess of this woman that was a sinner, his answer is, thy sins are forgiven thee. Everybody else looks around, they say, I don't want any part of that. I don't want to get off in there because that's dirty. Pastor, we're talking about your duck hunting the other day, and, and you get there, and you, you can't hardly get in there sometimes because it's a mess, and it's muddy, and it's dirty, but we couldn't get that duck we ate Saturday if Pastor hadn't got into the mess a little bit. If Pastor wasn't willing to wade off through the mud, I wouldn't have got to eat that duck and bacon and apples and, oh, man, only because of the mess. In fact... It was kind of a theme all weekend. We, we had a little fish, and it was miraculous. But my wife walks in the, uh, the next morning, and she didn't see the miraculous when she walked into that kitchen the next morning, Pastor. She saw the mess. I told her for the, for the miracle, there had to be a mess. To have that fish, we had to have a little bit of flour spread amongst the place and some mustard maybe in places there shouldn't have been mustard. There may, I even found some fish down under the, the, the heater that slid back there and hadn't gotten cooked. But all that mess was okay because I got to eat the fish. Jesus, he's, he's seeing this woman and everybody else says, what's with the mess? What's with the sinner? And why is, why is Jesus allowing himself to be around these people and to be around the sin and to be around the mess? And everything's going on here. Doesn't he see it? And Jesus says, I see a soul. Everybody else says, Jesus, what about the mess? And he says, your sins are forgiven thee. 
He says, I can clean up a mess. But without a mess, there's no place for the miraculous. And then we get to the 23rd chapter of Luke. And Jesus is led to Calvary. Simon carries his cross and they come up the hill and as they get to the top of Calvary, they begin to drive nails through his hands and through his feet. They stand the cross and they drop it into the hole and the weight begins to bear upon the holes in his hand and the holes in his feet as his body is torn apart for my sin. One of the most dramatic things we find in Scripture, and I don't mean dramatic as I was mean when I'm talking to my teenage daughter and say you got to quit being so dramatic but I mean dramatic in that it was a place full of a lot going on and yet we find it described in scripture as there they crucified him that's what Luke writes he, he talks about getting to Calvary and everything going on but the the actual act of Christ being crucified is those words there they crucified him but in those few words as as Luke is writing and moving on to the rest of the story, in those few words, so much happens. In Calvary, while the theme is beautiful, and while the salvation that comes from it, the ability to be baptized with Him and have my sins washed away, that is a wonderful and a beautiful thing. Calvary was not a pretty place. That there they crucified him does not denote a beautiful place to be. People are trampling and it's, it's muddy and it's messy and it's bloody and it's dirty. It's not a place that you want to go and hang out, go and spend time. You go to Calvary because somebody is being crucified. It's a place of capital punishment. It's not the perfect place of deliverance that we see it as today. It was that, it became that, but, but the place itself, this Golgotha, this place of the skull was not a pretty place. And Jesus is willing to go once again into this mess for my miracle. There's a song that, I mentioned this somewhere, it may have been at Back to Basis this weekend, but there's a song that I remember from uh, being a teen, when I was a teenager that the there's a line there that says, my sins yelled crucify, louder than the crowd that day. And I, I thought of that as I began to look into the mess that Christ waded into, and I realized that was my mess. As he headed to Calvary, and the nails were driven through his hands and through his feet, and it was his body that hurt, and his body that was torn, it was his side they pierced. But it was my sins. He cleaned it up. But it was my mess. Anybody that's got kids knows a little bit about that sometimes. Sometimes you come in and there's a bunch of mess. Sometimes, <laughs> at least my kids, maybe everybody else's are perfect, but mine sometimes aren't always quite as good at cleaning up that mess as they are at making it. My two little ones, I don't know how they do it. They can have a perfectly organized and straightened and neat bedroom in about 37 seconds. There has been a tornado in there. There are no longer any clothes anywhere except the floor. 
and they layer them with toys. It's like we get a few clothes out and lay them down, and we throw some toys on top and some clothes. Because we want to make it as hard as possible to clean up. And then what we want to do is maybe go get like a glass of milk, and behind the dresser we're going to pour that out. But we're not going to tell anybody for at least a week. We want it to smell real good. The recent one I found, I come in their room and there had been, I guess, one of those Scentsy candle wax warmer things in there. Except it had been turned upside down so that wax makes a mess. I don't, that, there's got to be a better way to make your house smell good because that's, that was a mess. My little girls, it's just kind of their, their M.O. Um. And they're at the point right now that they're not quite capable of cleaning up the mess they make. Now, they get in there and they help and they work. And <coughs> if they don't, they'll regret it later. But, but there's a mess. Now, I'm not saying that I'm the one that cleans it up. I'm not any better at it than they are. But, but my wife, she'll go in there and in about two minutes, everything's just where it needs to be and neat and perfect and if the girls are cleaning it on their own, it's ours. They, this can be in there. It can be a Saturday. You guys can't go outside until it's until your room's clean, and then it's. Can we go outside? No, it's dark now. You, the street lights are on. You can't go outside. You've you've spent the whole day. My wife, she goes in, and all of a sudden, there's a miracle in the mess. But Christ goes into our mess and our muck and our mire, and he's he's willing to get his shoes dirty. He's willing to ruin a good pair of boots. He's willing to get his tractor stuck to do whatever it takes for our mess. And we, at Christmas time, we especially, it seems like we think everything has to be just so-so. This morning we were talking and we came to the conclusion that, that today or tomorrow we either have to finish decorating our third Christmas tree or take it down because... It's just not perfect sitting there half-decorated. The other two are, are perfect. I, I'm waiting for Christmas to be over so I can use my dining room table again because it's, it's decorated too pretty, and I'm just scared to go in there. We, we have everything has to be perfect, and in today's society, it's, it's getting to be more and more prevalent because it's all for the, the picture for social media, for Facebook or for Instagram, and everything has to look just so-so, just right, and... And in fact, what even is isn't good enough, so it has to be filtered and layered, and I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but whatever they do to make these pictures look something other than what they are. And everything has to be just so-so, and we have to have, at least from what everybody else sees, it has to be perfect because it's Christmas. And this Christmas even we, we try so hard that that it has to be this and has to be that and we have to have just the right presence and the tree has to be decorated just right. And, and sometimes we get so caught up with perfection that we don't leave room for the miracle. Christ never said, I need you to have everything just right and all has to be laid out just so-so. He said, let me have your mess. He said, let me have your muck and your mire. Let me walk off into the midst of what you've got. I can clean up your mess. I, in fact, I need a place of mess to have a place of miracle. If we never have any mess and we never have any problems and we never have any muck and we never have any mire, then we never have any place for the miraculous. 
If Zacchaeus wasn't a sinner, there never would have been the place for everybody to say, well, what's he going, doing going to eat with a sinner? If the lady that had walked in and began to worship Jesus and everything was just so-so and just perfect, we probably wouldn't read the story. And we go throughout Scripture and we find Jesus walks into place, in place, in place again. He walks into the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. As Jesus gets to town, Lazarus' sisters are saying, Jesus, why'd you wait so long? Lazarus has died. We needed you here days ago. And Jesus is saying, I had to, I had to wait for a mess. He says, I, days ago, there wasn't need for a miracle. If Jesus had showed up a week before and said, Lazarus be healed, we wouldn't have a story of Lazarus coming forth. But Lazarus dies and we find Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the grave. And, and we find the miraculous and we find that which wasn't possible, couldn't be done. Only done because of the mess. This Christmas season, we don't have to be perfect. This whether it's Christmas season or not, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to get everything right. Pastor made a statement last week that we don't get good to get God. We get God to get good. I don't, I don't have Pastor's lyrical, susical, rhyming abilities. Uh, but, but I do know that I don't have to have everything just right. And I don't have to make it all right and make it all perfect before I come to Jesus. Because if that's the case, I'll never get there. And I, I bring my offering to Him this Christmas, and I don't have to say, well, Jesus, I'm bringing myself, but, but you're going to have to wait just a minute because my tie's crooked, and I've got this going on and that going on. There's some problems here. And, and Jesus, I, I don't really know if I'm ready. And the whole time that Jesus is saying, just Come weary, come heavy laden. Bring whatever you've got to me. He says, I'll give you rest. He says, if you're hurting, I'll give you peace. If you're broken, I'll give you comfort. If your, your body is damaged, I'll give you healing. Whatever you need, I am there. I will be that for you. You just have to bring your mess to him. And we sit back the whole time. Jesus, I, I just don't know. It's not just right. I don't, I don't think Jesus is looking for an Instagram picture. I don't think that my Savior, the one that went to the, the mess of Calvary, the one that came into this manger that was mucky and miry, I, I really don't think that the picture of the nativity scene that we had was accurate. Now, I, do I think that Mary and Joseph did all that they could to, to clean it up and make it as nice as they could? I am sure, because they were... Christ's earthly parents and they're doing everything they can to provide for this child but with what they had and what they had wasn't much and even if they had the, the trough cleaned out there and maybe some some fresh straw and a cloth over it because I'm sure they did I'm sure they didn't just scoop some mud from the ground up into the, the feed trough and throw the baby in there and say all is well they they did what they could to make it pretty but even so the next stall over the pig that was there probably didn't smell all that great the, the cattle that were mucking around there, maybe the donkey that was there, whatever animals they had there in the barn, that, 
It probably wasn't the prettiest, greatest place to be, but in the midst of that mess and in the midst of the mire, God says, I'll rub myself in flesh and go there because I love you. I, God didn't care that it wasn't perfect. In fact, I, I think it was probably purposeful. My God has the ability to speak the world into existence. He can definitely find a hotel room. And yet we find him say, give me a mess, and that's where I'll bring you. Give me some muck and some mire. Give me, let me get down in there where I can get my hands dirty because that's where I can touch lives. It wasn't the king that he went to at first. It was the shepherd boys. It wasn't the elites and the Pharisees. It was the fishermen. Jesus says, let me get to the people that I can reach. Let me get down amongst the people and let me work with them and walk with them and talk with them. His, his ministry was not him going to some retreat and people flocking from all over the world to see him. His ministry even, his time that he spent for those three years, three and a half years, he's walking from town to town, Jesus himself getting dirty, getting dusty, getting worn out and tired and walking amongst the people because he went into their mess. In this Christmas season, Pastor, I don't think that we need to focus quite so much on perfection. But we need to let our focus be on Him. Let our focus not be quite so much on having everything just right and making sure that our kids get the right presents and that, that their Christmas morning photos, everybody's in pajamas but their hair has to be perfect. Let our focus be Christmas morning when we sit down with the kids. Whether their hair's a mess or not, whether we've had our coffee yet or not, whether everything looks just right for the picture or not, let's sit down and read the Christmas story. Let's take a moment with them and say, kids, let's remember why we're here because Christ came to a messy world full of sin and full of mess, full of pro <coughs> excuse me, full of problems, full of situations, but he came here because he loved us. He came into my mess because I needed a miracle. He came into my situations, into my world, into my problems because my sin couldn't be taken care of without him. This year, I'm not so worried about perfection. Let me just focus on my Jesus. This year, I'm not so worried about everything being just so. Let me just remember who he is and why he came. I am thankful this Christmas season that His miracle doesn't require my perfection. But I'm thankful this Christmas season that His miracle can be worked in my mess. Thank you, Lord. And I believe all of us can say today that we are thankful for the fact that He can take a mess and make a miracle in a matter of moments. That's what each of you and myself were. We were all a mess. The Bible says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So I was born a sinner, and so were you. But that's not the end of the story. He takes messes and makes miracles. 
I'm grateful for that. Would you lift your hands and your voice to the Lord and thank Him for that fact in your life? Make it personal today. God, I thank You for what You did for me. Thank You, Lord, for only You know the mess that You gave to the Master. So only You can truly celebrate what He's done for you. Today, I thank You, Lord, for taking my mess and the miracle that You've made from my mess. We celebrate that. What a time to celebrate the fact that You are a Master that takes messes and makes miracles. Amen. Amen. We're so thankful that all of you are here. You don't look a mess today, so all of you look so nice. It looks wonderful. But we know, as we've heard, that God takes... You can't judge a book by its cover. That means we can't really tell. You may have come today with a serious circumstance, a situation that needs to be solved. I don't know what Candy Cane Jane will do for you today, but I do know that the master that we heard about today can take your mess and make a miracle. Hey, let everybody know how wonderful it is to see them. Greet our guests. Let them know that we're thankful to have them. In just a few moments, we'll begin our service with a time of prayer, praying for your needs. Know that we have a need supplier. And then we're going to have a wonderful children's Christmas program. It's going to be great. We're glad you're here. God bless you. Take just a few moments break.